Hello, and you are listening to the M-Disc Playlist. I am your host, Nitro. Chiptunes. Music made entirely from sound chips inside older game systems and computers. They were first used in arcade games in the 70s, starting with the opening title screen music in Gunfight, and the primary background music for Space Invaders. Didn't require too much effort by today's standards. The first game to use actual melodic background music was Rally X. Ever since then, gamers in the 80s have all gotten their taste of video game music through sound chips. Whether it's simple beeps or complex melodies, every piece of music you heard was made from sound chips. What makes chiptune music sound so distinguishable is, of course, the digital computer sound. It didn't sound like traditional music compositions that you would hear in movies, television, or radio. Not even close. But in the 90s, game music composition became more and more complex, creating that blurred line between computer sounds and traditional sounds. By the time we were in the generation of the Sega Saturn, the Sony PlayStation, and the Nintendo 64, chiptunes were no longer considered a necessary method of music composition. Synthesizers and live orchestras were used instead. But chiptunes weren't completely phased out. With the release of the Game Boy Advance, we heard elements of the classic chiptune genre from the Mega Man Battle Network series. But, oh wait, that doesn't mean chiptunes made a comeback, right? They just had to do it because the game series was about, and I quote, jacking in to the game's version of the internet. So of course there had to be very obvious computer sounds, right? It was a one-off, wasn't it? Nope. The chiptune comeback goes far beyond Mega Man Battle Network. Indie game companies back in the 2000s frequently referenced older games to make them feel new and exciting, and part of bridging that gap between what was vintage and modern was the music. And thanks to those indie games and indie game composers, chiptunes started reappearing in newer, larger budget titles. This playlist will cover the games of this century that didn't need orchestras or keyboard synths to enhance their games. This playlist will cover the games that went back to how video game music was traditionally composed and made it new, fresh, and exciting again. Guest Station composed by Daisuke Amaya for the game Cave Story. In games like these, where exploring is the key part of the game, you need a piece to really help enhance the experience of charting the unknown. Especially in games like Metroid, or games inspired by Metroid, or games inspired by Metroid, like Cave Story. Daisuke Amaya not only composed the music for the game, he designed and wrote the entire game by himself. So who better to know how a world should sound than the guy who created that very world? Amaya composed the music for Cave Story using Piano Roll software, which if you don't know, allows you to compose music on the computer, with the notes you play displayed 
like a traditional piano roll, a giant sheet of paper that basically tells a piano what notes to play. A lot of music produced on computers used piano roll software. Metroid was one of Amaya's biggest inspirations for this game, and it shows with the music. The original Metroid soundtrack wasn't nearly as haunting or as mysterious as the later games in the franchise. The original Metroid soundtrack gave us more adventurous pieces than haunting pieces. And with a soundtrack like Cave Story, Amaya finds a way to balance adventurous and mysterious. Megaposi continues. Produced by user Sakakure.uk using Hatsune Miku Vocaloid software for the game Hatsune Miku Project Diva F. Hatsune Miku, the most popular Vocaloid program in the world, a program that let you compose both the music and the vocals behind the music. The Project Diva games bring together some of the most well-produced and or most famous songs to be created from the Vocaloid programs, like Hatsune Miku. Some songs were made by the most experienced Vocaloid program users as commissions from Sega. Sasakure.uk is one of those experienced users sought out by Sega. He made chiptune music using Vocaloids and has uploaded them to Nico Nico Duga. One of his creations, called Hello World, can actually be viewed on YouTube for those who have difficulty accessing Nico Nico Duga. Not only does he create the music, but he also produces the music videos themselves. So Negaposi Continues isn't his first attempt at a chiptune Vocaloid song. What makes this song famous or infamous, rather, is the fact that this is the hardest song to beat in Project Diva F, especially if you play it on the extreme difficulty. Every syllable Hatsune Miku sings is a note you have to hit. And if she's not singing, every note of the main synth instrument is a note you have to hit. There is very little room to rest your fingers in this song. If you can even survive this song on extreme, then you're already an expert at this game. Maze of Death. Composed by Yu Shimoda for the game Mega Man 9. After the 16-bit Mega Man 7 and the 32-bit Mega Man 8, we were taken back to the 8-bit era with the releases of Mega Man 9 and 10. Mega Man 9 was fun because not only did it play mostly like Mega Man 2, but it included DLC like the one that gave you Endless Mode. A mode where you are in a stage that is... well, endless. It plays out like a roguelike game, Every time you play it, it's different. You don't play the same rooms in the same order two times in a row. The goal is basically to see how far you can get in endless mode before you die. And with each boss you kill, enemy attacks inflict more and more damage. 
Even little mechs could kill you in one hit if you managed to survive long enough. Yushimoda didn't contribute much to the Mega Man franchise, or to Capcom for that matter. His work on Mega Man 9, however, was very extensive, with this piece being the one that truly stands out above the rest. The way this piece is composed is remarkable, with the intro and outro signify entering a never-ending trap of sorts. Entering a never-ending, always-changing stage. The only means of escape is death. The intro and outro remind you of this. But the entire middle remind you that you're still very much playing a homage to the classic Mega Man games. By the way, Mega Man 9 and all of its DLC will be included in the recently released Mega Man Legacy Collection 2. If you missed out on Mega Man 9 on earlier platforms, this new re-release will be the best way to experience Mega Man 9, including Endless Mode. Composed by Yoshino Aoki for the game Mega Man Battle Network 3. I could do an entire episode on the Battle Network series. After the X series, the Legend series, and the classic Mega Man games that came after 6, it was very refreshing to hear chiptune soundtracks being used in a brand new Mega Man series meant for, at the time, the most powerful handheld device, the Game Boy Advance. But hold up. What's so great about that? The GBA could produce music almost on par with what the 16-bit systems were capable of. What makes a chiptune soundtrack on the GBA so special? Well, it's Mega Man, and the Mega Man franchise raised and set the bar for video game chiptune music. So for that reason alone, chiptunes for Battle Network will work. It was a brand new kind of Mega Man game that also paid respect to the style of music that helped define the series in the first place. As for the piece itself, this is the final battle theme for Mega Man Battle Network 3. What impressed me the most about this piece is the introduction. You get the beats right out of the gate, which in itself is natural for a Mega Man game, but then when the main melody fades in ever so subtly during the intro, that is when you feel the tension rise in this arduous battle. This kind of tension was not replicated as well in the previous two Battle Networks, nor was it replicated as well in the future Battle Network games to come. Yoshino Aoki's only involvement with the Battle Network series is 2, 3, the double team version of 5, and 6. Her other experience with the Mega Man franchise is the Star Force series, the arrangement album of Mega Man X3, and she was the vocalist for the song Kazeyo Sutate, a recurring vocal theme associated with the character role that made its first appearance in Mega Man Battle and Chase. Granny's World Tour 8-Bit Composed by Christophe Herral for the game Rayman Legends. This is the 8-bit version of the music version of the Rayman Origins piece 
Chasing a Dream, which originally appeared in the final stage, Land of the Livid Dead. In Rayman Legends, you can hear the original piece in various online challenge modes. Remixed, it appears in the stage Livid Dead Party. It is part of the music stages in the game that force you to run non-stop while avoiding treacherous obstacles. Granny's World Tour really pushes the treacherous part, as it forces you to be excellent with your hand-eye coordination. Cause damn, some of those jumps can come at you so quickly. The 8-bit versions of the music stages force you to have beyond excellent hand-eye coordination. In addition to the remixed music, you're also forced to deal with random video filters that pop up at any given moment to try and screw with your timing. The 8-bit version of Granny's World Tour gives you multiple screens, fisheye lens, flipped screens, blurred screens, and flickering screens right where you need to do multiple jumps at a time. It's truly a platform gamer's test. Can you perfect your jumps? Can you look past the random video filters? Do you have amazing hand-eye coordination? Can you not be distracted by how great this piece is? Before attempting the 8-bit world tour of the grannies, do yourself a huge favor. Do not let anything distract you. That, and practice on the original world tour of the grannies. You'll need plenty of practice and zero distractions to survive. Composed by Anamanaguchi for the game Scott Pilgrim vs. The World, The Game. Of course I wasn't going to do a chiptune playlist that didn't include Anamanaguchi. Anamanaguchi is a band that is able to perfectly blend chiptune music with modern rock and modern electronica music. Arguably one of the most popular groups that incorporates chiptune elements into their music. And the only soundtrack they have ever worked on is this game. Scott Pilgrim in itself is a story that is filled with references to classic video games. The game is a scrolling brawler like Streets of Rage, River City Ransom, and the Final Fight games, while adding RPG elements to make your character stronger, and an overworld presented in a way that is similar to the older Mario titles. Another winter is the stage one theme for the game. Right away, as you're playing the game, you know you're in for an amazing soundtrack. It's exciting, it's fun, it perfectly blends classic chiptune with modern era music. When you start the stage, you only hear the chiptunes. But as you progress through the stage, you start to hear the modern sounds that fade in to join the chiptune sounds, making a brilliant bridge between the classic chiptune music of the past and the modern sounds of music from the present and onwards. And that is a perfect representation of what Anamanaguchi represents as a whole. They're not just a band that is known strictly for chiptune music, they are known for blending chiptune music with other elements of music. In an interview with ClashMusic.com, Anamanaguchi is quoted saying, I think people understood us a lot quicker than other chiptune artists, because we kind of brought in those other elements, 
and only used it as a piece of the landscape instead of the entire picture. Alchemist's Heaven, composed by Jake Kaufman for the game Shovel Knight Plague of Shadows. Okay, I'll confess. I love Plague Knight, especially in the Plague of Shadows expansion of Shovel Knight. That is the main reason why I wanted to do a piece from Plague of Shadows instead of the original Shovel Knight. We often hear about how great the Shovel Knight soundtrack is, and it really is a great soundtrack. But I want to talk about the Plague of Shadows soundtrack. And I'm going to, because it's my show. The Alchemist's Heaven is the theme of Plague Knight's underground hub world, where he goes to buy upgrades and hang out with his crush, Mona. It's a very whimsical take on a very mad scientist-esque theme. Perfect for Plague Knight. He is a mad scientist of sorts. But as you progress through Plague of Shadows, you see his more charming, more fun, and even more, dare I say, moe side? He's more whimsical than how you see him when you play the original Shovel Knight game. This is just one of the few exclusive new pieces added to Plague of Shadows, in addition to an already great soundtrack that helps amplify how great Plague Knight is once you get to know him. SMB Ghost House, composed by Koji Kondo for the game Super Mario Maker. Yes, that Koji Kondo. He is back to composing music for the Mario games. Of course he had to since Super Mario Maker is basically you creating your own levels in the styles of the original Super Mario Bros., Super Mario Bros. 3, Super Mario World, and new Super Mario Bros. U. In order for gamers to not be limited by the game styles, new Ghost House levels were made for Super Mario Bros. and Super Mario Bros. 3 when they didn't exist before, and airship levels were made for Super Mario Bros. and Super Mario World when they didn't exist before. And to help bridge the gap between what's familiar and what's new, Nintendo brought Koji Kondo in to compose new music for the new stage types, in ways that blend with the games that they represent. Out of the new pieces he composed, I selected the Super Mario Bros. version of the Ghost House theme for this list. I chose this piece because Kondo had always been good at composing spooky haunted themes. While the Super Mario Bros. 3 Ghost House is fine, it's the Super Mario Bros. one that makes the Ghost House sound more mysterious and isolated than any of Kondo's previous Ghost House themes. There is even an easter egg in Super Mario Maker that will let you see Koji Kondo himself performing a Mario medley on piano. Just enter the code 0913 in the in-game manual and see for yourself. Of course, I'll probably include the video in the show notes anyway. If you're lazy, that is. <laughs>
World 2 Hospital, the Warp Zone version, composed by Danny Baranowski for the game Super Meat Boy. Out of one haunted place into another. If you don't know, the Warp Zone alternate stages present Super Meat Boy with many challenges that look like they were ported straight out of the original Game Boy. What makes the Super Meat Boy soundtrack so effective is that no matter how fun, exciting, or metal it sounds, you're still going to have a very rough time with this game. This game will seriously push your platforming skills to the limit, but the music is still enjoyable enough to keep the entire experience from being too frustrating. I should also point out that the Danny Baranowski soundtrack, like this piece, does not appear in the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation Vita releases of the game due to licensing issues that Team Meat and Baranowski could not agree on. The new soundtrack was composed by Ridiculon, David Scatliffe, and Laura Shigihara. The new soundtrack isn't bad at all. It does a good job amplifying the worlds that their pieces represent. What makes Baranowski's music stand out is his ability to amplify the experience of trying to survive Super Me Boy while simultaneously having fun dying again and 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 again. In an interview with PC Gamer, he talks a little bit about the hospital music and the thought process behind it. You're in this haunted hospital with creepy needles and all this stuff, and you have 90 seconds to loop this music, and anything can happen on this screen during that particular track should be scored by the music. And he's right. Within the span of 90 seconds, anything can happen in Super Meat Boy. Haters Gonna Hate Composed by Jeff Ball for the game Tiny Barbarian DX out of all the games on this list, this was the toughest one for me to narrow down to one. The entire soundtrack for Tiny Barbarian DX is amazing. It takes the side-scrolling action platformer and makes it the most exciting, most rocking, most adventurous, most upbeat experience you'll ever hear! Yeah! That exciting! Jeff Ball is primarily a classically trained violinist who can be heard in Mass Effect 3, Red Orchestra 2, Monkey Island 2 Special Edition, and he can also be heard on the popular Cartoon Network series, Steven Universe. What the soundtrack to Tiny Barbarian DX accomplishes is that you can be classically trained, have extensive string work, and still have the music talent to produce something this exciting and upbeat with the chiptune format. In addition to that, the Tiny Barbarian soundtrack, the Tiny Barbarian DX soundtrack, is able to sound melodic as well. Perhaps this is due to Ball's extensive experience with the violin, an instrument that is one of the best at producing main melodies in classical music, or music inspired by classical music. What I mean by that is, sometimes when you hear classical music, your ears tend to be focused on the violin, not the string ensemble, the single violin. From a technical aspect and a gameplay enhancing aspect, the Tiny Barbarian DX soundtrack is all kinds of amazing. 
Sphere of Justice, composed by Toby Fox for the game Undertale. There is no disputing how huge Undertale is, and it only got bigger once it got released on the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation Vita. Sphere of Justice is one of the main themes for the character Undyne. In the official Undertale Tumblr, Toby Fox states about this piece, I made this before I really knew Undyne's personality, so while the arrangement is good, I felt like it didn't sound enough like being heroically punched in the face. Chasey, aka Minovsky article, even had this to say about the Spear of Justice track. Every single scene where Undyne's theme kicks in is great, be it a battle, domestic hospitality, or a love confession, greatness awaits. And that is absolutely true. This piece also serves as a longer version of Undyne's battle introduction theme, appropriately titled It's really tough to talk about Undertale and the other meanings behind this piece without going into spoiler territory, because Undertale is a fantastic game, and it's even better if you go into it blind. And even though Undertale has been out for a while, it's only recently been released on the consoles. So regardless, this is all you'll get out of me as far as how Fox wanted to create a theme that sounded like you were being, in his own words, heroically punched in the face. Pressure Cooker, composed by Magnus Palson for the game VVVVVV. This piece was actually what inspired me to do a modern chiptune playlist episode. While playing VVVVVVV for the first time thanks to the PlayStation Plus, I heard this and I thought, why did it take me this long to hear this soundtrack? And that's when it hit me. Chiptune music for modern games kicks ass and needs its own episode. On the Distractionware devlog, the composer Magnus Plusstone, otherwise known as Soli, goes into detail about how he came to be involved with the game. Plusstone basically submitted pieces to the website IndieGameMusic.com, which caught the attention of the website Charlie'sGames.com. His music was used in the game Space Phallus which then caught the attention of VVVVVV designer Terry Kavanaugh, and I'm sorry if I said that wrong, to which he asked him to compose music for the game. To quote Palston himself, I wanted to make up-tempo happy songs that would ingrain themselves into your minds whether you want to or not, hopefully so much that you'd go humming on them when you're not playing, and make you want to come back to the game even more. The official release of the soundtrack is called PPP PPP because every piece in the entire game starts with a P. And the rest of the soundtrack is just as amazing and just as upbeat as this one. And that does it for this episode of the M Disc playlist. If if you didn't see it on Twitter or my blog, I am dropping the podcast format with this episode. This will be the last podcast episode of the M-Disc. It's really tough to explain right out of the gate. Like on, It's really hard to explain on the spot why I'm not 
I'm choosing not to do the podcast format. So just go to my blog. I'll include it on the show notes, and you'll understand. You'll understand why I'm choosing not to do the podcast anymore. But that doesn't mean I'm dropping M Disc entirely. I'm just going to take it in multiple new directions. Just stay tuned for more updates, many of which will revolve around the primer I've been working on. Just don't worry about it. M Disc will live on in new, better ways. Just keep an eye on Twitter at M Disc Playlist and keep an eye on my blog at blogspot.mdisc playlist for more information. You can also email me at mdiscplaylist at gmail.com and I guess you can subscribe via Stitcher or your favorite RSS feed. Just look up mdisc playlist because I do still want to I still at least want to provide an audio presentation, a strictly audio presentation of MDisc somehow. Just not like this. Alright, so just look forward to new and exciting things to come. Until then, good night and have a pleasant tomorrow.